0: This video is brought to you by Mint Mobile, switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save in 2024. Wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of Charts with Dan. This week we're going to be looking at the box office numbers for the first weekend officially of 2024. Wonka staying at number one, but another holiday release also showing some staying power that could become a bigger story in the weeks to come. We'll talk about that along with all of the other box office numbers. And let's dive right into that weekend box office. These are your top five films. At number one in its fourth week of release was Wonka, still dominant going into January at $14 million, a 37.4% drop from last weekend. Its domestic total is now at over $164.3 million. Night Swim, the obligatory first weekend of January, January Horror Movie comes in second place at $11.7 million. That's good enough for a low-budget film, which all of these are. In third place is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, dropping 42% from last weekend, with a $10.6 million weekend total. And its domestic total has now gone over $100 million. And we'll look at the specifics on Aquaman's numbers, but I've already seen some people going back to some of my past videos and asking questions saying like, "Well, Wait a minute, you said that Aquaman was a flop. Look at how it's doing. And I will say, it's what I said on last week's show, and looking at the performance, I stand by that, that what Aquaman has done with its holiday run is avoid becoming an absolute, complete, unmitigated disaster, like another movie that we're going to talk about. Yes, it's over $100 million domestically. Yes, it looks like it could break $400 million worldwide, But that doesn't mean that it is succeeding, it just means that it's not failing spectacularly. And people say, well, it's the budget, two and a half times the budget, which is a number and a metric that I used to go by, but as we'll see when I do the profit breakdowns for the movie, there's a little bit more to it than that, because it depends on where that money's coming from and how much is going back to the studio. We break that stuff down here on the show every single week. I do my absolute best here on this show, week in and week out, to be accurate and to give you... The numbers as they are, not as I want them to be or you want them to be, uh, but what Aquaman is doing right now is succeeding in 2023 more than any other DC film this year. That's absolutely true, but the thing is, all of the other DC films this year were pretty big failures, and even Black Adam, people are saying, like, well, look, it outgrows Black Adam. Black Adam wasn't a success either at the box office. So we're going to go more into Aquaman and The Last Kingdom. But the takeaway here really I think is yes. It is not as big of a flop as other superhero films have been this year but that doesn't mean that that makes it a hit. In fourth place is Migration, another movie that's had pretty good legs over the past few weeks, but still hasn't really redeemed an overall disappointing performance. But I wanna talk about the movie in fifth place, Anyone But You, starring Sidney Sweeney and Glenn Powell. In its third week, business increased 11.4% to 9.75 million. Its domestic total is now at $43.9 million. And the thing I wanna talk about with anyone but you is that it's been out for three weekends yet and it has done better each successive weekend week two built on week one week three built on week two and that's not something we see very often the second week wasn't a surprise because it opened in kind of that slower christmas eve ish period as we were going into the christmas holiday so you would expect it would pick up business going into the holiday week and that's what we saw on the last weekend of 2023 but this previous weekend where business slows down a little bit this was the only movie to actually increase in business in the box office top 10 and there are even other films like the greatest Showman, and Puss in Boots The Last Wish, that have done incredibly well in this exact same window, releasing at the exact same time, they also did not increase business on that third weekend, like we're seeing with Anyone But You. They were putting up bigger numbers, but still, this is a movie that apparently has really started to get the buzz going on TikTok and social media, etc. And what we are seeing with this third week increase looks like some organic building audience interest. And now we're gonna be looking, and I'm certainly gonna be looking at Anyone But You to see, well, does this continue? This could be a really interesting box office story in the vein of The Greatest Showman or Puss in Boots at the beginning of last year, Where you have an opening around the holidays that's okay, but it organically builds that word of mouth and builds audience as we go. So put a pin in anyone but you. I really am going to be tracking this one very closely. In sixth place was The Boys in the Boat, which dropped 33.5% in its second weekend officially. Its total is now at over $33.4 million. The Color Purple continues to fall more steeply than the other films around it after an impressive Christmas Day opening. It lost 60.4% in its second weekend of release, a $4.6 million total. It's now at about $54 million domestically. The Iron Claw is in eighth place. It drops about 14.4%. That's an impressive hold for that film. $24.3 million domestically as of right now, Ferrari in its second weekend drops 37.5% for a domestic total right now of just under $16 million dollars. And then Poor Things is in the top 10, still in limited release. It actually lost some theaters in limited release, but it's beginning to pick up that awards momentum, won the Golden Globe for Best Musical or Comedy, Oscar nominations coming out soon, other nominations. So we could see this business continue to build. Right now, its domestic total is just under $14 million. It put up almost $2 million in its fifth weekend of limited release. Dropping out of the top ten this week, after seven weeks, we have The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, which had an impressive box office run, as I talked about on previous episodes. On its own, it put up a good gross if you don't compare it to the grosses of the other Hunger Games films, but still, I think that Lionsgate is going to be happy that it performed as it did. And then The Boy and the Heron from Studio Ghibli drops out of the top ten after four weeks. We'll see if there's any increase in interest as award season picks up steam. Looking at the movies that lost the most theaters for this past weekend, January 5th through the 7th, some pretty modest losses. Napoleon led the way. It dropped 413 theaters. It's now in only 337 theaters domestically. The Iron Claw, despite having a good drop, is losing theaters already. It lost 382 theaters. It's remaining though in 2,392 theaters. So if it's popular, it should be able to maintain a hold on those theaters. Trolls Band Together dropped 380 theaters, remaining in 1,000 2,137. Wish dropped 365 theaters. It's now out of wide release. It's in 900 theaters. And Ferrari dropped 265 theaters. It remains playing in 2,121 theaters. There was one closure this week, meaning that grosses were not reported as of the time I'm doing this show for this film, and that is the Marvels. After nine weeks, it is out of theaters, and the domestic numbers on this movie were bad. The worldwide numbers were bad as well. And this is the final profit breakdown for the Marvels, and it's not pretty. About $3.4 million came back to the studio and investors from China. It made just $15.2 million there. It made just over $106 million internationally, only about $42.5 million of that comes back to investors. A 60% share from the first week domestically is $32.8 million, but the second week dropped like a stone. It only made $15.6 million in week two, with $8.5 million returning to investors, and then just $14 million for the remainder of its entire theatrical run, which only returned about $7 million. The budget for the film reported to be, after reported incentives, etc., around $220 million I'm going to lowball on the P&A and say that they spent $100 million advertising. That puts the Marvels at a $320 million production cost. The gross revenue isn't even enough to cover that. But when you look at the net, I project that it only netted about $94 million back to the studio, up against the movie's cost of $320 million. That's budget and advertising. My estimate is that the Marvels lost $225 million theatrically for Disney. Now, yes, they can make up some of that revenue with product placements and stuff like that but still 225 million dollars a quarter of a billion dollars i don't think it did that much in licensing and revenue this is a massive money loser For Disney and Marvel, and it's a black eye for the studio, and it is just the latest in a bad series of stories. We've talked about this on the channel so much already, but I think in a year of flops, and I'd have to go back and look at the numbers, I believe that the Marvels is the biggest out of all of them. Again, a quarter billion dollar theatrical loss, not good news for anybody involved. This is the new, what I like to call, road to recovery. So that blue line is the weekend average for 2015 through 2019. The red line is the weekend average for 2021 and now inclusive of 2023. The dotted line isn't there because we only have one week. But if you look at that red line, the average since theaters reopened starting in 2021 for the first weekend of the year has been around uh, $60 million. And we actually were ahead of that average, although far below the $150 million plus average pre-pandemic. So we will, of course, continue to track our box office from weekend to weekend on this chart against the averages from before and after theaters closed due to COVID-19 almost four years ago now. That's hard to believe. Looking outside the domestic marketplace, these were the top five films internationally. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom actually takes the international crown at $30.3 million. Wonka is close behind at $28.9 million. Then we have China's Johnny Keep Walking in third place at $22.5 million. Wish is in fourth place at nineteen. million dollars and you have to keep in mind that in many areas around the world even though it came out on thanksgiving here in the united states and in other markets it came out on boxing day or the day after christmas in many other markets because they don't have thanksgiving in those markets it's not a big family time to go to the movies and so that's why wish is popping back up on the international charts because it's in a lot of other markets due to the christmas holiday in fifth place was migration which made 15.4 million dollars and when you take those international totals You combine them with our domestic numbers, we get our top five films worldwide. And Wonka actually takes the worldwide crown at $42.9 million. It's a 30% loss from its worldwide business last weekend. Aquaman and the Last Kingdom loses about 40%. It's very close to Wonka there at $40.9 million worldwide. Then we have Migration at $25.4 million. It lost 25% business from the weekend before. Johnny Keep Walking loses 13%. And then Wish actually has an 18% pick up in business from last weekend at $19.8 million owing to, as I mentioned, those extra markets where it's now open. So let's talk about some of the movies that are in the top 10, and we will start with Wonka. I looked at the profits, or lack thereof, for the Marvels. Wonka is a completely different story. We've been tracking the movie over the last few weeks, and I've been showing you that it is getting very close to breaking even in the theatrical window, which is great news for the studio because that means that all other revenue streams put this movie in the positive, and it looks like it may actually make money in the theatrical window as well. One of those rare movies that's actually able to make money just from playing in movie theaters what a novel concept. This is my latest estimated profit breakdown for Wonka. Only about $1.5 million coming back from the Chinese market, but it's really big overseas. $118.5 million coming back from that international share of almost $300 million around the world. Then we have $34.5 million coming back from the movie's first week, $29.2 million from week two, and $26.8 million from week three. And look at those numbers and the returns each week. That is why it is so important for a movie to have a nice theatrical domestic run because you get a big percentage of those profits. And if a movie does well week over week, then you get a nice amount of money coming in week over week. The budget for Wonka reportedly at $125 million. I'm giving it $100 million in advertising costs. That puts the movie's cost at $225 million. It's worldwide gross right now is at $467.7 million. It's heading towards half a billion. I estimate that it has netted $210.6 million out of its overall gross. Put against its cost of $225 million, I have Wonka about $14 million short of turning a profit in the theatrical window, which means probably this time next week, I'll update this chart. We'll be looking at a movie that is cash flow positive just from ticket sales around the world. That is great news. That's something that Warner Brothers wants. Of course, they had that on a much bigger scale with Barbie earlier this year. And if you're wondering why I haven't done a final report for Barbie yet, it's because it's still in theaters. Believe it or not, Barbie and Oppenheimer. Are still in theaters they've never been out of theaters and I'm wondering if they're gonna go out of theaters anytime soon because with the awards and everything and the nominations why not just keep it hanging around maybe do a couple of strategic expansions Oppenheimer's already done a couple Wonka is not a hit on that scale but as we've seen the wash of red ink Even movies that did well, they came just short, maybe, of breaking even in the theatrical window. Wonka is going to break even and be a big moneymaker for Warner Brothers. And we'll see when the announcement on that sequel is coming. Asante came to TurboTax after graduating from culinary school and landing a job in the hottest kitchen in town. My hands are full all day, every day. I love it. Asante, as your TurboTax expert, I'll make your moves count. Guaranteeing 100% accurate filing and your maximum refund. Sound good? Yes, expert! Switch to Intuit TurboTax and make your moves count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Let's take a look at Aquaman's numbers, and I can kind of back up what I was saying before as far as why this movie is not a huge disaster, but isn't exactly a hit either. So the thing you have to understand, first of all, is that a big chunk of its gross is coming from China, $54.5 million, only about $12.2 million of that comes back. You don't get as big of a share of the money from the Chinese market as other markets. $181.9 million internationally after you take out the Chinese money, you get 40% back from that, so that's another $72.6 million, and then Aquaman's weakness relatively here in the domestic market is really pushing the numbers down. $34.9 million coming back to the studios from a first week run of $58.1 million. Then in the second week, Aquaman reported $31.2 million in ticket sales. $17.1 million of that comes back to the studio. And then in this last week, just $10.6 million in ticket sales with $5.3 million coming back to the studio. Again, longevity domestically is what you need. The budget at $205 million. The advertising, again, people said, well, the threshold's not as big because the advertising budget wasn't as big. I'm actually accounting for a lower advertising budget. $100 million for a movie the size of Aquaman is actually pretty small. It's the same discount I gave to the Marvels. The studio didn't push it that much, but that doesn't mean they didn't spend any money on advertising. So I'm estimating that Warner Brothers spent $305 million on Aquaman. Its current worldwide gross is $336.4 million. I'm estimating that 142.4 of that is coming back, largely because so much of that is Chinese money that doesn't come back to the studio. Put that against the cost of $305 million. I estimate that Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is about $162.5 million short of turning a profit in the theatrical window. Now, I think best case scenario It could get to the point where it only, and I hate to say that word, but I mean, that's just the kind of year it's been. It only loses $100 million for Warner Brothers. The kind of movie that it is, I think it's probably likely that when you throw in all of the product tie-ins, et cetera, you could come close to breaking even. And then eventually, yes, it will become a profitable film. But the idea that based on ticket sales alone, that Aquaman is a hit or is close to becoming a hit, We're not quite there yet. I've seen some crazy things at the box office. Maybe it has some kind of a miraculous staying power. But as of right now, based just on ticket sales, Aquaman is not going to make it to that break-even or hit threshold this is how the sequel is doing versus the original film the first Aquaman is there in blue Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom is there in orange and again you can see the difference in how the films were received at this point in its run the first Aquaman was at 251 million dollars Aquaman in the Lost Kingdom is just now at hundred million dollars It only took the first film what five days to hit that mark and you can also see how that blue line there for the first Aquaman film is still sort of climbing that means that people were still attending we're already seeing that 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 flattening of the curve for Aquaman The Lost Kingdom. That's another reason why I'm not overly enthusiastic about its future prospects at the box office. It's not really picking up ahead of steam. It's already starting to level off. And when we look at the franchise tracker for the DCEU, Aquaman has broken $100 million domestically. That is a symbolic win. It looks like it will pass The Flash. So that's good. It becomes the most successful DC film of 2023, keeping in mind that The Flash lost the studio a lot of money. And now the question is, can it make as much domestically as the first Shazam? I don't think that that's going to happen personally. It could, I guess, if Aquaman really does leg it out. But I think that this movie is going to end right about number nine on that list above the flash when we look at aquaman and the lost kingdom worldwide it's doing a little bit better it's significantly outgrossed the flash now the flash made 268.1 million dollars worldwide aquaman and the lost kingdom is at 336.4 million it looks like it is going to pass shazam at 363.5 million. and then the question is does it pass black adam and get to 400 million dollars Maybe it does, and again, that would be a symbolic victory for this movie, but it wouldn't be a victory necessarily. It just means that it is sort of doing the best of the worst, to borrow a phrase from some of my beloved other movie YouTubers. And sometimes being the best of the worst doesn't quite cut it. So that's a look at some of the movies that are currently in wide release. I wanna turn now to a new feature here on the show. It's the Mint Mobile Hotline, where you can call in and ask your questions. And I would love to hear from you on the Mint Mobile Hotline. You can give me a call at plus one, 323 3311 Leave a message, maybe I will pick your message and then respond to your question here on the show. And this week I'm taking a question from, I believe his name is Magna in California. Hey, Dan. It's uh, Magno from uh, Southern California. This previous summer, we saw a phenomenon with Barbenheimer. You know, Barbie was huge, massive, massive hit, the biggest hit of the year. Now, as soon as that became successful, (laughs) Mattel executives decided to green light an American doll movie or something like that. What do you think it is when it comes to the suits, just completely missing the point of a hit. They saw uh, a doll movie be popular, so now they're going to make another toy movie, even though they missed basically the essence of what the Barbie movie was about. What do you think causes that? Why the disconnect with reality? Thank you so much. Please, please keep at it. Love the show. Thanks so much for that question, and that is the eternal struggle. What is the disconnect with reality with studio executives and executives in general? Because you are right... Back in December, Mattel announced that they have greenlit an American Girl doll movie, which will be produced with Paramount and Temple Hill, the studio that co-produced the Twilight movies and the Maze Runner films, The Fault in Our Stars, Love, Simon, lots of YA stuff to varying qualities. The movie is being written by Lindsay Anderson Beer, who wrote and directed last year's Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines. Not exactly Greta Gerwig, but you know. Who knows? And you asked the question about how could they miss the message of what Barbie is about and why people liked it? That's a great question and I think honestly, the answer is that I wouldn't be shocked if a lot of executives at Mattel didn't even see the Barbie movie. They just cared about how much money it made and they saw that it made a lot of money and their executive brain, that primal part of their brain kicked in and they said, okay, doll movie make money, so more doll movie make more money And thus, we have the American Girl doll movie. Studio executives, especially as businesses have grown bigger and bigger and multinational and part of big conglomerates, are what I like to call risk-averse. They don't want to risk losing money because if they risk losing money or if they greenlight something that loses money, then they risk losing their jobs and they would have to take a massive amount of money that's more than any of us will ever make in our lifetime and have to leave that job and then go find another job that will also pay them more money than most of us will see in our lifetime. But they have to move offices and stuff and change their voicemail. It's a big hassle. Executives want safe. Executives want trusty, they want reliable, and they don't really care how you get it. And it's kind of a miracle, I think, that Barbie was able to do what it did. I I mean, the the fact that that team came together and the studio allowed that team to come together, I think because you had Margot Robbie producing the movie and she did have the star power and the clout to kind of say, No, I want this team, I want this director, I want these writers, this is how we're going to make the movie. That's probably the main reason why that happened. And sometimes, yes, you've got executives and studio executives that are great at their jobs that have their finger on the pulse that know the product that know what's going to do well. The Kevin Feige's of the world. I know he's not been on a great streak lately, but for a while there it was very obvious that he was able to understand what made Marvel movies work and to get the people to make them that would make good movies to keep things going. It was a pretty impressive run. But that's not all studio executives. And I think that there is an assumption on the part of many people that because you are successful that means that you are also competent and good at your job. And I think especially and you know I know that my audience is a little bit older than some YouTube audiences so there's a lot of people that have been in the workplace for a very long time the longer that you're in the workplace, the more you understand that the illusion of competence for people that are successful decreases by every growing year. There are some people in positions of great power and influence that get there just because they're good at schmoozing and politicking. There's some people that are there just because they know the right person. doesn't really matter if they even know the job or not. This is a very long and convoluted way to answer your question, Magna. but I think what it boils down to is that the reason that executives so often miss the lesson of why a movie or why something is successful is because it's like a different language they just don't speak that language they speak the language of money and to mattel barbie was successful because it was based on a doll and so if they make another movie based on dolls then they will be able to replicate that success and hopefully somebody will step in on the creative side and say like okay Maybe, but you know, we actually do have to say something or capture something with this movie that people actually like. We can't just make a movie about a doll and she'll probably look at some blank faces and say, okay, you know what? I'll go write the script and hopefully it's a great script and they'll be able to make the movie that they need to make. Thanks so much for that question and be sure to call the Mint Mobile hotline and leave a message if you want a chance for your question to be answered here on the show. And I want to thank Mint Mobile for sponsoring the mobile hotline and this video. We're 10 days into the new year, which means that most people are about a third of the way to breaking that New Year's resolution, usually by February 1st, but there's no reason to give up on that pledge to save money in 2024 because you can save tons of money every month by switching to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a 3-month plan. That's unlimited talk text and data for 15 bucks a month. If you're paying 50 bucks a month for mobile service, you can switch to Mint today and pocket that extra 35 bucks, which might be just enough to cover a movie and maybe a small popcorn, no butter, or you know, it can go into your kid's college fund or whatever. The point is you're saving that money and spending it on yourself instead of giving it to a big wireless provider. You can say goodbye to your wireless provider's monthly charges and unexpected overages. At Mint, all plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network, and you don't have to change your phones. You can use your own phone with any plan and bring your number along with all of your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash Merle. That's mintmobile.com Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at MintMobile.com slash Merle. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. All right, let's wrap up the weekend numbers and let's look at the per theater averages for this past weekend. At number one was the Zone of Interest, which is still in very limited release, still in just six theaters, but it's packing people into those theaters. $14,383 per theater. Behind that is All of Us Strangers, which has expanded to 42 theaters. It's bringing in $10,246 per theater. American Fiction's now in over 100 theaters, and it's bringing in $8,655 per theater. Then we have Metal Memory, which is expanded to 14 theaters, it brings in $4,805 per theater. And then in fifth place from Germany, their submission to the Academy for Best International feature, the Teacher's Lounge, playing in just three theaters, brings in $4,168 per per theater. Looking at movies in limited release, so these are movies in 1,000 theaters or fewer. Poor Things actually has a 50 theater decrease from last week, 750 theaters for a $1.97 million total. I expect perhaps that theater count to go up as nominations come out, although I don't know, they may be going for the home media strategy, the Saltburn strategy, as I think I might start calling it. In second place is American Fiction, which brings in just under a million dollars in 114 theaters. Then we have All of Us Strangers, which ranks $430,000 in 42 theaters, The Zone of Interest, which brings in $86,298 in six theaters, and then playing in 29 theaters, the film Young Deadly Sea brings in $84,152. It's a new year, which means that the limited release clock has reset. I count limited release each year by calendar gross, meaning all tickets sold on January 1st or after. So these are all new entries. And Poor Things is the top grossing film in limited release this year. It's brought in $3.93 million since January 1st. American Fiction is second at $1.3 million. All of Us Strangers comes in third place at $524,000, followed by Salar Part 1 Ceasefire at $325,000. $28,000, Donkey at number 5 at just under $300,000 then The Zone of Interest at $171,692 Origin at $117,000 Noryang Deadly Sea at just over $100,000 then we have Fallen Leaves at $85,931 and Memory at $84,917 and just a reminder that should any of these films go into wide release, break that 1,000 theater barrier, then I will freeze its gross so we will only count its gross while in limited release on this chart but poor things if you were going to combine its gross in 2024 with its gross in 2023 then i think that it would probably be the highest grossing limited release film released in 2023 but i just like to reset the clock because it's fun and because so many of these oscar movies that are put into limited release make the bulk of their money in 2024 or in the next year and so i want the chart to reflect that This is the 2023 fall holiday box office, so this is all movies released after Labor Day, and this is all of their grosses, even the money that's made after January 1st. Taylor Swift The Eras Tour remains the top-grossing film released in the last third of last year at $180.7 million, but Wonka is looking to upset Taylor Swift It's now in second place at $164.3 million. The Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes gets bumped down to number three, followed by Five Nights at Freddy's in fourth place. Trolls Band Together has finally cracked that $100 million barrier. It's in fifth place. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom right behind, also breaking that $100 million barrier in 6th place. Then we have The Nun 2 in 7th place, The Marvels in 8th place, Migration breaking onto the list in ninth place, Killers of the Flower Moon drops down one spot to number 10, and The Exorcist Believer drops off this list altogether. This is the 2024 domestic box office as far as movies released in wide release so far this year. And there's just one, which is Night Swim, which has made just under $12 million. So of course, this chart will be updated throughout the year for 2024 releases, movies released after January 1st. But this is a chart that we'll be looking at for a while. This is the 2024 domestic box office as far as calendar growth. So this is all tickets sold since January 1st, Wonka has sold the most tickets since January first this year at 31.1 million dollars, followed by Aquaman and the Last Kingdom at 23.5 million, Migration at 23.4 million. Anyone but you is there at 19.1 million. We'll see if it starts to gain on Migration and Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Then we have Night Swim coming in fifth place at 11.7 million dollars. The Boys in the Boat in sixth place. The Color Purple in seventh. The Iron Claw in eighth. Ferrari in ninth. And The Hunger Games: The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes in 10th of course more and more 2024 releases will be added to this chart and so we'll stop looking at the year by calendar gross the more that it resembles the overall 2024 domestic release list the 2024 worldwide box office is also dominated right now by night swim enjoy it for this week you are the number one movie in the world at 17.7 million dollars of course we will populate this chart as time goes on Before we go, as always, I want to take a look at a weekend in box office history, and we're going to go to the first weekend of the year, 10 years ago, back in 2014, which saw Frozen heading the chart. In its seventh week of release, it dropped 31.5% for a $19.5 million weekend. Its domestic total in the first week of January was just under $300 million, and it still had another $100 million plus in the tank. It ended up at just over $400 million domestically. That movie really cost on as time went on. There's always a low budget horror movie the first week of January back in 2014. It was Paranormal Activity The Marked Ones which opened to $18.3 million that ended up being over half of its total domestic gross. The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug dropped 46% in its fourth week for a $15.6 million finish. A $229 million total up to that point and it had actually almost topped out of the box office. It ended up at $258.3 million. The Wolf of Wall Street took a 27.9% drop in its second week for a 13.2 million dollar weekend a 63.1 million dollar total its final domestic total ended up at just over 116 million dollars and then in its fourth week of release American Hustle rounded out the top five at 12.3 million dollars it had a running total to that point of 87.9 million and then it rode some awards buzz to a 150 million dollar domestic final total And that wraps up Charts with Dan for this week. Coming up this weekend, a couple of releases. Mean Girls, the adaptation of the musical, will be hitting theaters. This was originally meant for streaming, but it will now be the, I think, big draw for theatrical releases this weekend. I will have a review of that film right here on the channel later this week. I'll also have a review of The Beekeeper, the latest from David Ayer starring Jason Statham. The Book of Clarence starring Lakeith Stanfield also opens this weekend. Plus, Soul is finally hitting theaters. Pixar re-releasing some of their films that never saw the inside of a theater during the pandemic time. So if you want to see Soul on the big screen, this weekend is your chance. Thanks so much for watching here on charts. As I mentioned, I'm going to have some reviews later this week. I'll also have my new show probably on Friday or Saturday. We'll talk about the Directors Guild and Screen Actors Guild nominations, which will be coming out later this week. I'm also trying to do a review of Echo on Disney Plus to hit this week. It's a busy week here on the channel, although it seems like it's always a busy week. And I appreciate you spending part of your day here with me. Thanks to you for watching. Thanks to Mint Mobile for sponsoring the show and the Mint Mobile Hotline. Until next time, stay safe. And I'll see you then. Bye.